that's Twin Falls. And then if you go further east to Idaho Falls and Pocatello, which are kind of little sister cities next to each other, we have an office there now as well. And that market is anchored by INL, which is the Idaho National Engineering Laboratory, which focuses a lot on uh, historically on nuclear research. Um, it's evolved and diversified into uh, cybersecurity and uh, TSA, et cetera. It boasts the highest uh, per capita PhDs in the country. And it's it, what's interesting is all across southern Idaho, very you know robust economies of different sizes, but very diverse uh, when it comes to the different industries. And so we've kind of grown with the, the uh, state as a company. And then we just opened a small office up in northern Idaho in Coeur d'Alene, which is seeing its own uh, little growth spurt as well. So we're just trying to grow. I call it the golden triangle, right? The, trying to grow uh, with the state as it continues to enjoy the you know notoriety nationally and, and uh, commercial growth in general. Hey everyone, welcome to the Real Market Talks podcast. On today's episode, I get the chance to speak to Peter Oliver, who is based out of Boise, Idaho. Peter has been in business for 35 years, working with a range of commercial product types, and started the firm TOK Commercial after moving from San Diego earlier in his career. The appeal of Southern Idaho that drew Peter to the region has continued to attract newcomers, and the city got a lot of attention in recent years when migration exploded during the pandemic. Peter has had the opportunity to see what trends were taking place before and after the pandemic, and has a lot of great wisdom to share regarding why Boise is well positioned to see continued growth. After seeing multiple market cycles, Peter also shares how he is navigating uncertainty and positioning his business for continued success. Peter is a great resource for anyone wanting to know more about the Idaho market, and is also very generous with guidance for anyone wanting to learn more about the business. Without further delay, here's Peter. Hey, Peter, it's great to have you here. Just to get started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business in Boise. Yeah, so uh, Peter Oliver, been here since 1992. I relocated here from San Diego, which is where I started my career. And I just celebrated 35 years in the business. I started out with the predecessor to CBRE in San Diego, and it was great. Uh, it was Career was going great. Uh, enjoyed it down there. Went to college there at University of San Diego. Lived in Pacific Beach, but I, I grew up in a small town in northeast New Mexico, and I just really miss the miss the mountains. I love the ocean as well, but I miss the mountains. I miss the space, and I also liked having uh, fewer people. So we relocated here and uh, started the company then company is is TOK Commercial, uh, which is, you know, we went acronym like a lot of other people do. It, it stood for the first, uh, the last name of the, the original founders, which was Tim Thornton, myself, and then a guy named Mike Keller, um, who also had San Diego ties. Um, I'm the last remaining founding partner still here. 
um, they've gone off to do other things or retire. So that's kind of a high level uh, history and it's, it's been a great market. I really moved here for lifestyle and it was, you know, just barely big enough to do what I do, meaning commercial real estate, but it really afforded um, all the other things that I was looking for and missing from a lifestyle perspective. So that's really what drew us here. And when you started out in your career, were you doing kind of the same type of work that you're doing now in terms of commercial real estate, or did you kind of migrate to what you're doing now over time? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I was I was raised in industrial, uh, trained in industrial, and I had a really unique opportunity in that being in San Diego. I was with a couple of the pioneers of what you know, commercial brokerage in Mexico. And we were doing what's called maquiladoras, which are tin, uh, twin plants where uh, a manufacturing company, for instance, would, would open a plant somewhere along the border and produce a lot of their products there because uh, labor was a lot less. And then they would bring it across and then distribute it from there. So I kind of a unique entry into the business. I also did uh, work on the, um, on the U S side, obviously throughout, throughout San Diego. So that was my origins. When I moved here, I, I still, you know, continued in the industrial sector, but because it was myself and my, my original partner, Tim Thornton, um, I also expanded into office. I had some experience with that in San Diego, but he, he was a retail specialist. So I took office as well. And then we grew it from there. So I still do industrial, uh, still do a lot of office. About 50% of my business is on the leasing side. I still enjoy leasing and I think it makes you a better investment broker, which comprises, you know, the other half of my business. And then kind of sprinkled in there, I do a lot of uh, user representation, owner user site selection. Um, I like the variety, keeps me from getting bored. And uh, about the only thing I don't do is retail shop leasing. It just doesn't get me excited in the morning. I sell shopping centers and everything, and I understand retail enough to be dangerous, but uh, that's about the only segment of my business that I, of the business that I don't uh, partake in regularly. So you were kind of doing this when we, we got started, but maybe just to give a more formal general overview, can you just talk a little bit about Boise and, and the market you work in just regionally, what that looks like? Sure. So we our, our main headquarters is here in Boise, meaning the firm, and we focus a lot on what's called the Treasure Valley, which is is our MSA, our Metropolitan Statistical Area, and it's it's comprised of of four cities. Boise is the largest; uh, it's the capital of Idaho, et cetera. And then next to it is Meridian, and then Nampa, and the Caldwell. So. So those all combined is, is the majority of, of what I call our playground. Uh, we've since expanded. We have an office in Twin Falls, which is east of here. It's smaller, but it has a very robust economy. Uh, there's been some notable companies that have set up very large operations there as of late. One is Chobani, the uh, yogurt company. Uh, and next to them is um, a couple of, of other uh you know, Cliff Bar built a large facility there. And the reason they're there, and this is kind of an unknown fact about Idaho, is we are historically either the third or fourth largest uh, dairy state in the country. 
we have a very large dairy presence. So that's why those companies ended up going there close to the source. And uh, they've really enjoyed it. They've both expanded already. They've only been there for uh, three and four years. So that's Twin Falls. And then if you go further east to Idaho Falls and Pocatello, which are kind of little sister cities next to each other, we have an office there now as well. And that market is anchored by INL, which is the Idaho National Engineering Laboratory, which focuses a lot on uh, historically on nuclear research. Um, it's evolved and diversified into uh, cybersecurity and uh, TSA, et cetera. It boasts the highest uh, per capita PhDs in the country. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's it, what's interesting is all across southern Idaho, very you know robust economies of different sizes but very diverse uh, when it comes to the different industries. And so we've kind of grown with the, the uh, state as a company. And then we just opened a small office up in Northern Idaho in Coeur d'Alene, which is seeing its own uh, little growth spurt as well. So we're just trying to grow. I call it the golden triangle, right? They're trying to grow uh, with the state as it continues to enjoy the, you know, notoriety nationally and, and uh, commercial growth in general. So that's, that's, those are the markets we serve. You know, the bulk of our business is here and that's where I focus most of my efforts. I do have one uh, client that's headquartered here in Boise and I do work for them all around the country. And I do that. I team up with other uh, local brokers and whatever market I need to serve them in. And then I've got some investor clients that I've done the same with, uh, if, which again adds variety and, and spice to my life. So, Great. Yeah. So I've primarily worked on the East Coast for the majority of my career, pushing into the Midwest a bit, but mostly kind of staying along um, the East Coast and uh, Southeast uh, in particular has, you know, gotten a lot of my attention uh, more recently, especially just because of the trends that have been taking place. So Boise was never really on my radar. However, like many people during the pandemic, it got a lot of attention. And can you maybe describe a little bit about what the city looked like before COVID and some of what you've seen take place and how it's changed since then? Yeah, it's been really, really interesting, especially given the the context of what occurred across the country. And we've been on a on a steady, steady growth curve, really since I moved here in '92. And you know, some people will say, "Oh, you were smart; you got there ahead of it." Well, it like I said, I really was motivated by by lifestyle. Uh, and then secondly, where I wanted to raise a family, I have four boys, they were all born and raised here. It was a fantastic place to, to do that. But uh, so we've had these, you know, the steady growth, we've had little spurts here and there. Uh, we did suffer like everybody else during the downturn of 08. Uh, but, you know, work through it. And, and then when when COVID hit, it was it was really interesting, we had started to get a lot of press before that. But when COVID hit, we became this uh, kind of refuge for people trying to get space and and get distance because people could work from wherever they want. So we had a huge, I mean, our, our in-migration literally doubled in 20 and 21, which is great. It definitely caused a little uh, 
stir up with the locals, right? Because we had all these people moving in and they were living all over the place. Uh, and by that, I mean, they were living up in some of the smaller, more rural towns. Uh, Sun Valley, for instance, saw a, a lot of influx. McCall, which is another kind of resort town because they could do it. They could work from wherever they wanted. So we had that phenomena happening. Uh, we also had um, shortly before it, um, Amazon finally entered our market and they established their fulfillment center and a couple of other operations. We had all that going on. And so we've, we've grown uh, pretty significantly. And unlike a lot of other markets too, um, we didn't have, and we still don't have a lot of the, you know, empty building syndrome that, that uh, impacted a lot of metro areas. Uh, people, yeah, people went home when they had to for the lockdown and all that, but it was very short-lived, myself included. I stayed home for a week and I just said, I, I, I'm going to get back to my office. That's, this is like my playing field. I have an office at home and it's great, but I just couldn't stay there the whole time. So I was the only person on our floor for about the following two weeks and then everybody else started coming back. So it was really interesting. So we just had all this growth and then that led to more discovery. So we've really enjoyed uh, really robust growth the last three years. I can tell you 20 and 21 were the biggest years of my career. Um, they were you know, anomalies. And I knew it because with all that growth and all it got on investor radar nationally, um, developers radars nationally. So we had all these people that historically wouldn't even consider Boise because we were quote a, you know, tertiary or a small market. And a lot of those, that, that movement, it's been sticky. Uh, you've seen people migrate into the city, but have you seen people starting to return to, you know, areas that they, they might have left and, you know, they it didn't work out or maybe they're getting called back to work? Or do you see people that are kind of getting entrenched in their, their really life and being there? You know, the majority are. So so even we, we had a couple companies that actually relocated completely or significant portions of their workforce here. And then COVID hit. They let them work remotely. They didn't want to move back into the office, but they've just stayed here. And some of those companies have, you know, they've relocated their operations either back to their home base or wherever they may be offshot from. So that's been interesting. But no, most of them have, have stayed here. There's been a few that have gone back. You know, maybe they came from a warmer climate and went through their first winter, which again, I consider to be mild, but they decided this isn't for me. Some of them, as you know, got called back and there's been a lot of tension between companies where somebody might have relocated here. They're still getting paid their California salary. And some of those companies are like, well, if we're going to pay you that, you need to live here at least. So we've had a little bit of that, but by and large, you know, most of the people have stayed here. From an infrastructure perspective, Obviously, there was an influx of people that came in abruptly, it seems like. Do you feel like the city was prepared from that standpoint? Or has there been, you know, growing pains? Or I guess another question is, how is the city responding to that? Are they having to make major investment now or looking to make major investment to accommodate the all the people that are coming in? Or has it been more of um, a, sort of a painless growth from that perspective? 
No, it's it's been it's been a shock. They they were behind before. Part of it is Idaho as a state is fiscally very conservative. It's one of the most well-run states in the country and it's known for it. And that's that's good and bad. The good is it's good to be fiscally responsible. The bad part is they they will often not look at other creative ways to provide financing or additional capital for expansion. And when you have what's happened to us the last 36 months, you need to be able to execute on that and look at whether it's, uh, you know, local option sales tax or bonding or any of those kind of things. So people here are very tax averse again, which is a blessing and a curse. So it, it's been a shock. Um, they've been struggling to keep up, um, making progress in some areas uh, better than others. You know, it's, it's, you get spoiled when you live here. If anything is more than 20 minutes away, you think it's too far and the traffic has gotten really bad. If you've moved here from California, you know, you usually get, usually get laughed at, right? That's a dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so they're used to, you know, anything that's 40 minutes or closer is like, a hop, skip, and a jump. So it kind of depends on on where you're from. I use the term local blinders when you've been here long enough, like which I've been here 31 years, you get spoiled. And so it, it kind of taints your perspective. But we we are we are making some progress. Our airport has, you know, four significant projects underway right now. We've had, you know, year over year uh, record uh, new passenger travel coming in and out of our airport, which is a great airport. It's very nice. It's very easy. So they're building a lot of new parking structures and just to accommodate the the, the growth here, which by the way, is both just regular in migration, but we've also had a significant number of companies that have also either moved here or, um, you know, set up a, a branch or, or set up shop here in conjunction to their headquarters. One of the really interesting phenomena aside from COVID and, and all this that we've talked about is, is one of the new influences actually geared around politics. And so we've got what we've, what we call uh, political refugees that have relocated here primarily out of the West coast cities of, you know, Seattle, Portland, and then on down San Francisco. Um, everybody knows what's going on there. Um, Idaho is a, is a definitely a conservative state. Uh, politically. And so we've had a significant number of political refugees, as we've called, you know, relocate here as well, just trying to get out of those environments, which are, I don't know if you've been to Seattle or Portland lately, I have, and it is, uh, it's really sad what's happened to those previously beautiful cities, mainly the downtowns. So that's another phenomena that has really influenced our growth uh, both from an in-migration standpoint and from a business perspective. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so many transformations happening at once mm-hmm. and so much fluidity between these areas. But I, w- I would imagine the state uh, and the city are eager to you know keep this talent and accommodate uh, all these newcomers. But at the same time, it must be putting stress uh, on the system. It is. It is. I'm not going to tell you otherwise, but I, th- I think we're doing a, a pretty good job managing through it. The the all you know also historically, I've always told people that 
you know, Boise and Idaho for that matter, kind of lags other metros by 10 plus years. And so uh, it wasn't too long ago, we had very few apartment buildings in downtown Boise. And now we've got a number of them with a number of under construction and people are living here. So our, just like our downtown core has gone from a, you know, literally a 10 hour downtown to a 12 to a 15, I think we're closing on 18. Um, and that really feeds restaurants, it feeds the vibrancy of it. So we're seeing a lot of that happen too. And that, that wouldn't happen without some of the in-migration that's occurred from these phenomena. And the city is, I think they've done a nice job reacting to it and promoting it and encouraging it. I've heard some people say that COVID just accelerated some trends that were already in place before the pandemic. In the case of Boise, while it wasn't on my radar, and I think the radar of a lot of others out there, it seems like from what you're describing, there was already this growth trajectory occurring in the city and COVID might've been the instigator of what just sped that up. Yeah, that's a really good assessment. Uh, the acceleration is, is very appropriate for sure. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So you mentioned that you work with a couple of different product types. Can you speak to what the deals were looking like before the pandemic and what those deals and transactions might be looking like now? Sure. So if we look at the industrial side, uh, we've always had a very healthy industrial base here. It's not big, but uh, very healthy and, you know, pretty predictable. And as I mentioned shortly before the pandemic, but certainly accelerated by it, with, with, with Amazon arriving here, it really changed things. And besides their presence, and then they have a number of suppliers that help them uh, to distribute the last mile, et cetera, uh, that really sent the flare up on a national basis. So we had a number of regional and national industrial developers and investors come in basically all at once. Uh, which we hadn't seen before and they they bought a lot of land and they all started planning projects and building projects and so as a result we have a number of large projects and the the highest quantity of square footage coming online literally between now and uh late second quarter early third quarter of 24. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. And the other thing is they're used to building in bigger markets, bigger buildings. And while they said, well, we'll, we'll build a smaller version of what we might build, say, in Ontario, California, or, or some other large distribution market, they're still big for Boise. So we've got this, you know, collection of larger industrial buildings all coming online at once. They, while they do divide down to, uh, you know, 25, 30,000 feet, that's a, that's a good size tenant for our market. So there, you know, the question is, are we going to be able to continue to fill those up? Are we going to get oversupplied? You know, how is that going to shake out? And then you couple in construction costs, you know, it, it creates a, it creates an interesting environment that we're all just kind of working through and kind of watching to see, to see what happens. So that's, that's what we're seeing on the industrial side, on the office side, you know, we're, we've got actually a very healthy office market. We do have a few properties that have come on the market, larger properties, mainly owner user types. 
because, for instance, uh, Citibank, they let everybody work from home. They had a large service center here and they put their building on the market. Um, I actually have a client buying it. It's 170,000 feet. It's going to be an owner user. So um, it seems like we have enough positive economic growth going on that we're going to be able to work through some of these interesting uh, repercussions from the, the changes due to the, to the uh, uh, pandemic. But the deals are, they're still, you know, pretty similar on the investment side. We're obviously dealing with higher interest rates, uh, much, much uh, fewer or hesitant capital sources. So we're, we're just getting more creative uh, with owner carries, um, those sort of things. One phenomena that we've had very consistently over the last three years is a tremendous amount of, of all cash buyers. And while there's fewer of them today, they're still out there and they're still big believers in the market long term, just with our growth. So there's been little changes here and there. Uh, deals are more challenging. I'm not going to tell you they're not, but still our market, especially on paper, is very, very strong, uh, comparatively speaking to other places in the, in the uh, country. We don't have a lot of the tension on the office side. Uh, besides some of the the ones I've mentioned, but uh, pretty few and far between compared to other metro markets. From the cash buyer perspective, what kind of deal size are they looking at? Is that sort of a smaller or mid-market or is that all the way up to like an institutional grade product? We did have a lot of institutional uh buyers coming in. They've 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 kind of paused a little bit, I would say, but the you know, three to say five or $7 million buyer, um, still, still out there, still coming in, tying back to my little narrative on the political refugee side, we had, you know, either whole companies moving here from some of those coastal markets that I mentioned, and also, you know, whole families that moved here, they liquidated their properties in those markets. I have one family from Portland that I've been working with the last six years and they've sold all of their holdings in Portland relocated here personally it's two brothers and we have you know transferred all of their equity to the really all of southern Idaho between here and Idaho Falls and we're working on our last tranche of that so those are kind of interesting phenomena some of them tied to the pandemic some tied to the political transitions that are happening but uh, those are those are kind of new phenomena that we're seeing on the investment side. So you've mentioned a lot of reasons why Idaho and Boise in particular are appealing places to live. Could you speak to from a geographic and climate perspective? Is there a resilience in Boise that people are also feeling confident about uh, from a, a long term perspective? Why that would be a well situated place to live? Or are there potential concerns on the horizon that are being expressed um, from an environmental standpoint? Yeah, so on that front, we do have challenges from a fire standpoint with, you know, being in a predominantly forested state. I, I will tell you that's been a phenomenon since I moved here. Um, from the climate perspective, what I, what I have noticed the last several years is the 
the climate periods have kind of rotated about a month to the right is the way I put it. So, you know, everything just seems like it's a little bit off as far as the timing historically. Um, but other than that, yeah, we've, we've got a pretty, pretty predictable, um, pretty routine. We've actually had amazing winters the last several years uh, from a skiing standpoint and consequently water, which is becoming a bigger, bigger issue. Um, so that, that's been, that's been great. We don't have a lot of the other natural um, influences that other markets have, hurricanes, earthquakes, et cetera. We do have a little tremor now and then because we are close to a fault. Uh, it, the state is, but other than that, it's, it's pretty predictable. We had a our, our, we call it our smoke period, but our, our smoke this year was minimal to non-existent. The smoke we did have actually was coming down from Canada because mm -hmm. the wind, the wind patterns were, were changing a little bit. So that's been, that's been really nice. But to your point, we have a very diverse economy, uh, across lots of industries, which is a big plus. And that includes, you know, agriculture. I mentioned dairy, we have uh, very robust manufacturing, high-tech software. It's, it's pretty unique. It's not big. One of our uh, little claims to fame is we're the largest, most remote metro area in the country. It's a fact. And so like for the pandemic, that made us really attractive. It used to be a hindrance, but <laughs> it became very attractive. So it's five hours to Salt Lake, seven hours to Portland, you know, eight to nine to Seattle. So we're just kind of here on this little island, but it's, it's, it's really nice. Great. So what would you say are some opportunities that you're seeing for the next couple of years in Boise that you're particularly excited about, or you're trying to tap into? Yeah. So we've, we've got this again, real diverse, uh, base, which is, is continuing to, to, to increase. I think that's a huge deal. It's, it's a very predictable, um, economy and it's, it's very, by that, I mean, like if you're an empty nester and retiree, if, if you're on a fixed income, it's, it's very predictable. We have some of the, the lowest, uh, power costs in the country because we produce, we sell most of the power that Idaho power, um, uh, puts out. So all of those things make for a really predictable environment, which is a big deal. One of the things we haven't touched on that's happening right now as part of the CHIPS Act, Micron Technology, which is which was started and headquartered here, has has started their, it's going to be a $15 billion expansion here. And they're expanding wow. here and then they're building a, a new facility actually in upstate New York. And this is, you know, a reaction to what's happening globally with China and Taiwan and the need for us to be able to produce chips domestically. So that that one project alone, which is massive, it's over five years, has created this whole buzz with, you know, suppliers and vendors and anyone and anything having to do with Micron. So that's going to be a big deal and it's going to impact our economy tremendously over the next five, seven, 10 years. We also have the same thing going on with Meta. They're building one of their big, massive data centers here. Phase one is under construction now. It's a nine year build out uh, based on their footprints. And while that won't have the same number of employees as Micron, just the 
construction aspects of it alone is is massive. So those are just two uh, recent things that just started, and those are going to you know continue to fuel our economy for the foreseeable future. Our our biggest challenges in that are right now our our cost of housing, which is a phenomenon almost anywhere, but our housing costs used to be a huge selling point up until about, you know, three years ago. And it's just gone through the roof. So like everywhere else, we're trying to catch up. That's an issue. And then uh, the other issue is just human capital. Our unemployment has been sub 3%. I think we just hit 3% uh, last month. It's just really hard to get enough people here uh, to work. And so all the, all the universities are trying to ramp up. We're trying to grow organically. Uh, we're recruiting nationally. Those are our two biggest challenges that are, are ahead of us, but the opportunities just are, are, are very exciting, quite frankly. Yeah, that's all really, it sounds very exciting. Uh, and it sounds like there's a lot of good things in store for Boise. Um, a lot of potential wind to f- fill your sails for the next few years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's, as you alluded to, a lot of uncertainty right now just around rates and this transition that's happening in the economy. Would you say that there's um, any hesitation or how are people kind of navigating that uncertainty? Is there anything in particular you see them doing or do, does it still seem like people are feeling confident enough to, to keep moving forward full steam ahead with these plans that they have? just in general. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely uh, a little bit of pausing going on, but our, our economy here and our what we're experiencing as a result of it is, is a little, it's quite a bit different actually than a lot of other metros, right? And it's real estate is one aspect of it, but I, I'd say people here are still expanding. We're just, we're still having, uh, now it's a little more manageable growth, but it's still, you know, very, very strong. Um, I, I, I would say most of the business people here are a reflection of the state in that they are conservative uh, fiscally. They, they typically don't get over their skis. Um, they don't over leverage. And so it's, it's very sustainable. And uh, we're, still, we're still plenty busy. The, what, the, the reference point that I give people is you have to take 2021 and part of 22 out of the picture. Those were anomalies. Um, and personally, for my production, uh, in what I do day to day, it's basically right on par with 2019, which, by the way, was a great year. It's just that we got distorted, right? With the, mm-hmm. And so I think most people, as 2020 ramped up and 21 was just an absolute sprint in the back of our lot, a lot of people's minds here, our business people, they're like, this is not going to last we have to be careful. We need to be safe. You know, let's save some money. Let's stockpile some some cash. Let's grow appropriately. So things here are, are again, you know, very healthy, which we're very grateful for. But I think a lot of that's just because of the, the fiscal nature of the state. And uh, I think we're going to weather through it just fine. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was a great overview of what's going on in Boise. I've been super excited to hear about it, you know, to talk to somebody who has so much insight into what's been happening there from a longer term perspective. Um, So I think this is all super interesting for the second part of the recording. What I really want to do is kind of learn a little bit more about you and your career. 
mm-hmm. in real estate. So could you just kind of speak to a little bit about how you got started in real estate, what drew you to it and you know what, what it looked like when you were starting out? Sure. So as I mentioned, I went to the University of San Diego. Um, I started working at a really young age and in, in two you know, typical segments for younger people to work in. I worked construction and uh, in the summers, and then I worked in restaurants uh, the rest of the time. I grew up in, as I mentioned, in northeast New Mexico, a little town called Taos, and uh, had the ability to do that. So I, I always, I liked construction. I liked, you know, real estate, although I didn't know it like I know it now. And so I was always drawn to it. So as I, I went through college and I was trying to figure out what to do, Afterwards, uh, I started really looking into it, and I really wanted to go into development right out of college. Um, fortunately, I got connected with uh, a gentleman who has been my mentor since then, so coming up on 34, 35 years. He's a developer in San Diego, still active. He started in the brokerage business. And so I met with him and I said, Hey, you know, I want to go into development. How do I? how do I do that? <laughs> and he kind of laughed and I was still, I was literally a senior in, in college. And he basically said, you know, there's three ways you can, you can go to school, you can come to work for a developer, or you can go into brokerage. And I won't spend a lot of time going into the details, but I, he, he basically required that I explore all three and, and I followed his lead. And so I ended up uh, going into brokerage and his philosophy was, you know, Development is very risky. It uh, requires capital, requires personal guarantees. You're subject to the market changing, et cetera. Brokerage is a good exposure to it because you learn all the nuts and bolts, how to make a deal. Brokerage will also test your stomach lining because you can work on a deal for three, six, nine years and it can blow up on the one yard line for nothing you did. It's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, sure enough, he's right. And, and so that was kind of my, my entree into the business. And, and I was fortunate enough to get on with, again, the predecessor to CBRE, which at the time had an incredible training program. I was really lucky to get in right out of college, uh, went through that and then started practicing and, and really right when I quote, got on my own off of my runnership, which is what they called their apprenticeships back then. Uh, the first thing I was faced with was the the Cold War had ended, which was a great thing. But unfortunately, San Diego, which is where I was, was at the time almost entirely defense-based. So you had all these defense contractors making missiles and planes and everything else. Well, that all stopped for the most part. And so then all these subcontractors went away. I was focusing on industrial, as I mentioned. So my market like changed overnight. And then right on the heels of that, the uh, SNL crisis happened, which was an earlier version of what happened in 2008. And so San Diego was like Armageddon hit because it was the capital or it, it was the, uh, the home base for two of the largest SNLs in the country. It's where they were headquartered. So that was my greeting to the business. And, uh, all the senior guys said, hey, it's, it's the best thing that could happen to you because if you survive this and you know how to work in it, you'll survive anything. And you know what? They were absolutely right. And fortunately, I didn't have a lot of overhead. I didn't know any different. And that was the beginning of my career. And so uh, 
went fine. We worked through it. I, everything was going great in San Diego. And that's, that's when I started exploring other things. Cause again, I wanted to get in a different, a different lifestyle setting and, and Boise was at the time was just big enough to do what I do. I tried to get my arms around the market. It was really hard to figure out because it was basically controlled by, you know, four to five good old boy developers, but, uh, did my best. And at the end of the day, my wife and I said, well, if we end up uh, flipping burgers somewhere, which there's nothing wrong with that. I grew up doing it. Where do we want to live? And that's really how we made the decision to come here and, and start out. And so it's been great uh, that we just celebrated our company's 31st year. And so that, that's, that's really how I got into it. And uh, I, at one point at our peak, we had a residential arm. We had a small uh, M&A arm, merger and acquisition arm had 140 people running around and that was not with the other offices that I mentioned. So it was, uh, it was a wild ride. And then we, you know, wisely decided to kind of pair back and get, get back to our roots. Um, I actually sold out of the company in 2004 and pursued my dream of development and partnered up with my biggest client and everything was fantastic from 04 to 08. And then September 15th rolled around, Lehman went down and everything changed. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, we weren't over our skis and over leveraged and again, worked through it. And then I figured there'd be five to six years before there was any more development opportunities. I, I was about right. So I came back to the company in 2011. So it's been a, a fun journey. Um, I still do a development project now and then. I've done a couple multifamily projects the last six years that have been great. I got my last one finalized and uh, got permanent financing in place before rates went through the roof. So I'm extremely thankful for that. Yeah, that's but, lucky. Yeah, lucky. Uh, absolute luck. You're absolutely right. There was no knowing. So yeah, it's been a it's been a great ride. I love the business. What I love about the business mostly is just it's every day is different. You learn something every day. Uh, you're dealing with people. That's my favorite part of the business is dealing with people and just learning from them, not only real estate, but just about life. So I will do this as, as long as I'm around and have no plans of winding. I may slow down a little bit, but uh, retirement is not a word in my vocabulary. Yeah, it is a really fun business, especially to your point. You can be doing so many, engaging with it in so many different ways, whether you're doing development or brokerage, it's all kind of related. You're just kind of sitting in a different seat at the table. Exactly. Um, which adds a little variety. Yep. Yep. So it's been, uh, it's been a great, great ride and uh, looking forward to it. This is my fifth cycle that I've been through in my career. They're all different. Um, there's some similarities, but uh, with each one, you're just a little more prepared and you learn not to overreact or anything and, and try and, uh, counsel and, and help out some of the younger, younger folks, which is a role I play in our company now and, and try and talk them through it and, you know, shift their thinking. If you got in the business the last five to eight years, there's, there's some people that are in a little bit of shock, yeah. um, especially the last few. So uh, I like that role and, and I, I do that within our company as well. That's great. Well, uh, this is all really great information. And uh, I found it really interesting. I'm sure 
anybody that's listening is is going to be uh, really excited to hear and also learn about Boise, just such an incredible city. And there's so many interesting things happening there right now. And I I have total confidence, as it seems like your market does, that you're going to continue to, to see more good things happening. So thank you for uh, sharing everything you know about it. Absolutely. Yep. It's uh, my wife would get mad at me for for talking about it too much. Um, you, you asked actually how, how some of the, the cities were dealing with it and the locals. And, and we have had, you know, people that, that have not been happy with the growth and it's not that they dislike people or anything. It just, the environment, especially in certain areas has, has changed dramatically in the last three to four years. And so that sentiment, you can definitely, you know, feel it. Um, it's a very welcoming state. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very, one of the things I love about it is it's very old fashioned, you know, a handshake still means something, uh, people's words still mean something. And so, you know, with, with, with good reason, some of the, the long-term locals are just a little bit concerned that that might get diluted or change. Yeah. And totally understandable, yep. uh, with such massive changes, you know, um, it, so many people are going to be affected in so many different ways. So, um, totally understandable. Yeah. But, you know, as far as our, as our market goes and everything, again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a positive na- uh, person by nature. I try to be uh, realistic too, but just a, you know, good steady future is what I see. And, uh, I, you know, I welcome some of the new players that have come in. They, you tend to get, again, what I mentioned, local uh, local blinders on and it, it helps to kind of broaden your horizons and see other product types and other projects and other ideas. And so I, I like that part of it and, uh, you know, look forward to what the, what the future brings. Yeah. It's a particularly interesting time because while people are feeling pain and there's uncertainty in the markets right now, you can somewhat, and I say somewhat because you never really know if there's something lurking, you know, beneath the surface that you can't really see. But for the most part, it seems like people can trace where the instigators of the conditions sort of started to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, I think, a sense of maybe comfort in the predictability of how things might unfold in the future. There's kind of, you know, a couple different possibilities that people are sort of tracking right now. That being said, there's still that just uncertain nature of um, is there something that we just don't see? Is there a lagging indicator that we're not picking up on, which I think people are particularly worried about, but it just seems very different from the pain that we were feeling obviously in 2008, 2009, where it kind of came out of the blue. There was no, nobody was really ready for anything. It was, you know, everybody was, um, feeling like they were in a good place. Uh, whereas right now everybody's like on the edge of their seat. Um, so it's, it's particularly interesting and I'm, I'm, uh, interested to see how this, how this plays out, you know, um, whose predictions are going to end up being right in the end. Yeah. I, I, I don't really think anybody knows. And I, the thing I do know is there's a lot more variables now, right? If so you, many. Yeah. You talk about the influence of, of technology, for instance, and, and that, that has touched everything and the speed at which information travels around the globe. It's 724 now. Um, we are global, even Boise, Idaho is. And so all of that influences uh, what's going on. So it is what I tell people when I'm counseling, say, younger folks in our offices. And what I do when things get chaotic is I, 
I, I revert to fundamentals and that's taking really good care of people, taking really good care of your clients, um, listening more, having enough uh, space in your schedule and in your head to think, uh, not overreact. And you, you just have to be, you know, fiscally conservative personally. Um, it's very simple. And so I always encourage people to revert back to, to fundamentals and that will at least give you the, the confidence and the stability, you know, as a person and as a company uh, to weather things. It doesn't guarantee anything. It just, I think, puts you in a better space and a, and a better spot to be able to navigate the surprises that you mentioned, which I think is very appropriate, whether you want to call it a black swan or whatever. It's just things happen much quicker now than they used to. And there's so many more factors. I mean, that whole political piece and the impact it's had on our economy is it's astounding mm -hmm. and it's real. We never had yeah. that before. I've never seen that before. I mean, I didn't even know a lot of the, I've learned a lot about the details of it just in this, in this cycle. So those are all the things, but I think it's, it's part of the fun and excitement of what we do if you look at it that way. But if you have your fundamental house in order, both from a business standpoint and a personal standpoint, it enables you to have these kind of discussions and not get uh, worked up about it, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just, just my perspective on it. And I try and work on that every day. Yeah, no, great perspective, great advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome, Keith. It's, it's great. I think you're doing a great thing here. And, uh, my, my offer that I always make to people here in Boise and, and if there's anybody who is interested, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, when I moved here, everybody that I called, uh, would meet with me. And in the beginning I had zero to offer. I hardly even knew my way around, but every person here would meet with me. And so that's kind of one of my primary pay it forward, uh, philosophies that I, that I've always employed and I continue to do so. So, I mean, that's part of why I reached out to you, right? I saw what you're doing and, and you're getting started in this endeavor. So hopefully this helps and uh, happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right.